0: It is Pet Chat. A very quick hello to you, Cheryl Shaw, Dr. David Tabaret. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. And Cheryl, you're looking at fertilisers. A lot of people uh, are starting to put fertiliser on the grass after they've sort of poisoned off all of the weeds that have grown over the winter. That's right.
1: It's the time that we start re-establishing our lawns and our gardens. So it's really important that whilst we uh, think about sprinkling out some fertiliser, that we consider our pets now. One of the main things is that dogs are really attracted to mm. the smell of fertilizer. They love it, don't they? They do, and they love to roll in it, and then they become all gross and smelly, and they need a bath. But the other thing is some dogs actually like to eat it. Now, as gross as that sounds... it really they are attracted to it so much. The problem is that fertilisers can contain herbicides, pesticides and fungicides. Now these are meant to kill pests and things that are in the lawn and the garden but if they're eaten by the dog they can become a problem. So it also will depend on the level of toxicity of those um, herbicides and fungicides and pesticides that are in the um, fertiliser but we need to make sure that we keep our dogs away. So if we're applying any fertiliser Obviously, put the dog, you know, inside, or if you can, get somebody to take it for a walk while you're putting it down, just to avoid that potential problem.
0: And how long do they need to be away from it? For well, it's going to
1: depend how how what you're doing with the fertilizer. If you're putting it on the garden, it's a really good idea to put some mulch over the top of it, particularly if it's a pelleted form of. Um, chicken poo mm-hmm. because that is really easy for dogs to consume large volumes of if it's sort of more granulated it's not so easy for them to eat it unless you've left a bag open and the dog has access to that bag so again making sure that you're locking up any you know extra that you have or any open bags aren't left out another problem with fertilizers Sarah is that some of them are organic fertilizers and while we think oh organic sounds fine yep. they there are things that are made out of bone meal um, blood meal feather meal and fish meal so these are all byproducts of other industries and they're used to um, in our fertilizer so dogs are attracted to this and when they eat them those products are actually indigestible so they make um, when they go into the gut they actually form hard lumps and they aren't um, dissolved so then you're often having to go off to the vet to have you know the, these um, lumps removed or these masses of food removed the other thing is that some fertilisers contain lots of minerals and salts. And so these can be caustic and burn the dog's mouth. They can cause um, ulcers, burn the stomach, and they can also cause liver damage and anemia and all sorts of things from seizures. Okay. So making sure that, you know, when you are using fertiliser that your dog's just not around. Some, um, some fertilisers actually go mouldy, either through the heat in the bags or how they're stored. And that mould can actually cause a lot of problems for the dogs as well, so it really is best to avoid having anything to do with your dog outside while you're gardening, um, particularly if you are putting that um, that fertilizer around. If you practice safe safely, you know, putting um, your fertilizer down, watering it in, it'll less chance of your dog,
0: um, you know, eating it. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And do you see uh, some of these problems come through the clinic, David? Yeah. Fertilizer related issues.
2: Yeah, I've seen a few a few dogs with this problem. So blood and bone is a very common thing and the mm. really the big problems that come through uh, there in addition to what Cheryl's talked about is they get uh, phosphorus or nitrogen poisoning. Mm. So these uh, can actually affect the red blood cells for instance. Um they can be caustic as well as Cheryl was saying they'll ulcerate through the gut. So we also see iron toxicity.
0: Oh, um, okay.
2: And that's really dangerous. So Any any time, I I find it's probably more in the shed that dogs.
0: That they get into access to that. Yeah, Yeah. because
2: a lot of people will water them in and things like that. So that tends, and you don't want your dog in there getting in the way while you're doing it. So they tend, people do tend to keep them away. But then they go, oh no, it's in the shed and the dog can't get to it. But of course the dogs do. Yes. And if a dog ate any of uh, blood and bone or anything like that, it could be really quite dangerous. So we take a a very uh, low threshold to treating problems when dogs have ingested those sort of things. Because even if it's just local effects on the gut, we've also got to be alert to things like iron toxicity, phosphorus toxicity. They're They're the real problems
0: okay mm. yeah. so
1: yeah we just got to make sure it's locked away and the dog can't have access to it
0: now david leading in to spring we've been talking about ticks i know that mm. they can be all year round now but they seem to be more common as it sort of warms up uh, well
2: but, that's right and we've hardly had a, a strong winter have we yeah, well that's been, right
0: that's right we've had days that have been quite <laughs> warm. yeah this morning was very chilly wasn't it?
2: <laughs> it it spoils my story uh no absolutely it's an and a couple of interesting things is that the uh, preferred breeding temperature for ticks is around 13 to 17 degrees.
0: So like today.
2: Yep, yep. And a little bit of wet weather because they're a soft-bodied tick. So there are hard ticks, but uh, the Ixodes holocyclus is the one we're talking about. That's the paralysis tick. That's actually a soft tick. So it prefers moist, slightly warmer um you know kind of season interestingly so i went to a big update last week which was uh we, there was probably about 70 vets seven zero
3: okay. vets
2: in the area that um excellent we all got together and there was uh, some speakers from queensland who are traveling around doing their updates which they do every year. It was an excellent, excellent presentation and show. It really got brought home a few things. So one of the things was that the uh, seasons of ticks, we do see ticks all year round, as you were saying, but the se- most predominant season is spring, yes. Second most predominant season, winter.
0: Oh, re- I would have said summer.
2: No, see, it gets too, too hot. hot. Yep, it gets too hot. So, uh, and then winter and autumn are way below. So that's on the number of ticks. The other things that we're seeing is that cats and dogs are quite different. Um, we kind of knew, knew that all, the, all along. Yeah, yep. But certainly when we get to the point of, um, you know, the type of lung disease that they get, uh, and that's a big thing about tick poisoning these days, is we're talking about disease rather than just poisoning. So because what we're seeing in dogs is that 100% of dogs with tick poisoning will have lung disease now whether it gets to the severity that they need you know intervention uh oxygen therapy or life support with the ventilator things like that obviously those things vary but in the studies that have been done in queensland they showed 100 percent of dogs doesn't matter how severe they were or not they all had lung disease and we don't know the number in cats but what we do know is in cats clinically they don't suffer with a severe lung disease. Okay. They certainly get a lot of upper airway problems, which can be just as dangerous and just as uh, deadly, but uh, they don't have the kind of pneumonia problems that we see with dogs. So there's a couple of things, but the big message for me was the fact that actually uh, tick poisoning is is becoming less and less common. And so the um, numbers we saw was that uh, this is from southeast Queensland, Uh, One of the hospitals that they presented on, and there were four, but their big one, they had on average about 500 patients per year treated for tick poisoning. Back in 2012-13, it was a bit wetter. They had 700 patients per year treated. Wow. Just in one hospital. Yep. And in the last two years, it's dropped down to 200.
0: Hello, Virginia from Hawks Nest. You've got a question for Dr David Tapperit. Oh,
4: yes, I have. I have a a pug puppy, uh, eight months old, and... Oh, to cut a long story short, he has a collapsing or damaged trachea. And I was, um, he's got a, like a ventin thing and a spacer. But because he's so wriggly, I find it impossible to use the spacer. And I was wondering, can I use the puffer without the spacer? It's much easier to put the puffer in his mouth than put that little mask on his face.
2: Um, So he's on the end of the spacer. I've used these a lot, so I'm just trying to picture it, though. On the end of the spacer, one end you've got the puffer, the other end you've got a mask. Yeah, yeah,
4: a silicone kind of thing.
2: he won't really sit still for it
4: very well. No, and I've tried, I've put treats in it, and um, I just wondered, because it's a long story, he went to be sexed and... Um, came out like a bullfrog and was croaking. He's a lot better, but mm. with the colder weather, like in the middle of the night, early in the morning, he gets like I call it like a child croupy, like yeah. you know the, the gaggy. Yeah. Um, he's been on cough mixture, but I haven't. Tr- I I just can't use the the Ventolin. Uh, well, I'm calling it a Ventolin. It's not, but it's you yeah. know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so I wondered why do I really need the
2: spacer? It's a really good question. Um, So, interestingly, there's been some studies done in people about the use of spacers, and I'm I'm obviously not a human doctor, but uh, I've had asthma all my life, and so I can kind of speak with a little bit there. But they actually find is that the use of the spacer in people is far more effective compared to just the puffer that you press on. Now, not not the ones that you twist and just inhale... Um, but the ones that you press down, like the canister, like your Ventolin and so on. So the the reason for that is that to actually, when you use the puffer, you have to coordinate your breathing in. So if you're not actually catching the the puffer at the time that you've got maximal breath of inspiration, then what happens is all the material that's inside that comes out, that's sprayed out, it's a powder, it actually deposits on the tissue in your upper airway and in your mouth. Okay. Now, s- some of it gets absorbed into the bloodstream and it probably works a little bit, but most of it just gets washed away and goes down into the gut and doesn't do anything. So I see. even in people, and obviously they do this with kids because they have trouble coordinating it, they use the spaces, but there's even now very good studies that show actually the use of the spaces should be used for adults as well because it's just more effective. Now, you might say, well, if you did that, wouldn't it just stick to the inside of the spacer and they do, which is why they tell you not to wash out the inside of the spacer. Oh,
4: right. Wow. Okay, so the okay. material
2: gets deposited in there um, and then it um, after after there's a, la- a layer on the plastic, it kind of comes through. So, coming back to your dog though, um, it sounds like you're on the right track using treats. I'd be thinking some Vegemite or peanut butter inside the mask yep. might be a trick yep. as well. And, um it's just going to be a lot more effective I, I don't think you'd be able to coordinate at all to use the um, the puffer straight in his mouth particularly because no. as soon as the powder goes in it gets sprayed it lands on his um, oral mucosa on the membranes in his mouth and one of the big problems he's got is his upper airway doesn't work properly no.
4: does it repair,
2: repair can it repair itself or no no, it can't no. be re- it needs surgery and for yeah. an, for an eight, it's a very common problem in pugs, and for an eight month old, I would be absolutely investigating if that's something that could be done because this is going to be a lifetime of problems.
4: So yeah, you need yeah. to
2: need to have a chat to your vet about whether or not you know there's something that can be done surgically. Well,
4: apparently there is an operation where they put stents or something like that in. Yes, But that's right. um mm, Yeah. Okay. All right, well, you've solved my, my question
0: anyway. All thank right. you very much. No worries. Thanks, Thanks for taking Bye. the time to call yeah. the show, Virginia. We really appreciate it. 49216216 is our number today. We're talking Pet Chat. Now, David, we were looking at ticks. You've just been to a seminar recently. Yes. and And um, you've said that, look, the cases of... Uh, paralysis in dogs or uh, being affected by ticks has decreased significantly but that doesn't mean we can just go all right well we're sweet
2: that's right so we've um saw the numbers drop from about an average of 500 patients a year in this one hospital in southeast queensland and they're now down to about 200 that's a massive drop mm. we're looking at 60 percent less now it could be that the patients aren't turning up at the hospital yeah but this is one of the biggest uh, yeah. emergency hospitals in queensland yes um so it's what it does though is if you actually look at their graph over the years with the introduction of the uh preventatives that you can now get and there's a couple of different brands of those um the impact and the effect on those as far as the number of patients affected it's dropping dramatically we're seeing so it's s-
0: our preventative measures, Absolutely. so there's not less ticks. No, it's just the fact that we've now got better no. preventatives and to it, keep the ticks away.
2: It may actually be that we, as our environment, human habitat expands, and we're encouraging bushland. We talk about this all the time with these kind of things in summer, and you know, snakes and ticks. We expand into the the bushland, and we have trees around and stuff. We're probably actually going to get more potential exposures but we're not getting the paralysis because the preventatives are so damn good.
0: Do you think more people are using the preventatives as well? Is that part of it? Mm,
2: I, I, From what I know, the companies tell me that it's the compliance, that's what we're talking about, is about the same as what we've seen, say, okay. you, you know, over the last 20 years. But what's happening is that the, the drugs are so much better.
0: Yeah, yep.
2: And so literally that is translating into increased survival of dogs that aren't presenting in late stage tick poisoning now the problem is that oftentimes people might not use the preventatives whether it's cost or whatever but of course then they run the risk that if their dog does get sick then they're going to be up for a very expensive adventure that's right and possibly lose their pet at the end of it so preventative as always is, uh, you is know. the
0: ticket because it's almost well I, I would imagine it's extremely rare for a dog to come in that is on one of those preventatives that has got well a tick.
2: i wouldn't i wouldn't say extremely rare but certainly less likely and i have probably in years years past not the last two years but in years past if someone came in and said oh, you know my dog's on this or it's on that and we know it's an effective tick preventative that doesn't rule out they can't Get ticks, and that's all to do with, to be honest, the the survival capacity of the tick.
0: Yeah, okay. You know,
2: but we are ser- certainly seeing a reduction in numbers. So yes, we're not going to get rid of all of the patients. Um, so I'm not out of a job. I just was going to say,
0: are you, are you out of a job yet?
2: Not yet, but, um, <laughs> but you know, it's a good thing to see, isn't it? You know, it is. We're, we're, it's a
0: fantastic thing. Yeah,
2: and just in that one hospital, that's 300 dogs per year that aren't getting sick with tick poisoning yeah
0: that's and that's awesome
2: and even i remember talking to some guys in sydney and they said you know three or four years ago they would have had i remember they had five dogs on ventilators at one time wow and this went for the whole season and then last year they ventilated put dogs on life support two for the whole season
0: that's brilliant
2: and they were doing like five a week yeah now that, that's like the biggest hospital in sydney they're getting all the bad ones
0: yes they they had two i've got a question i don't know if you remember um before i went to new zealand my little gizzy my maltese got an anal gland abscess do you remember that yes Mm. i was quite distressed uh well he's got another one
4: Mm. now
0: my question is is this because we're not being proactive enough in getting the anal glands milked is that the correct wording or are they more expressed or are they more susceptible to getting them once they get one
2: uh probably the second answer is more appropriate. Is
0: so it more susceptible to there, getting them?
2: There is some controversy about, you know, if you express a dog's anal glands does that mean they're more likely to get problems?
0: Mm. Like needed expressed yes. more often sort of thing.
2: Yes. Okay. Um, and the there's probably some truth in that. One of the things I think I would talk about is that why does it happen? And you know, usually the advice is to increase the fibre in their diet to bulk up their stool so when they go to the toilet, it naturally squeezes and empties those out.
0: So more dry
2: dry food? Not necessarily. Dry food doesn't really necessarily... What you need is indigestible fibre so or insoluble fibre. There's soluble and there's insoluble. So you can do that with veggies like uh, beans and carrots okay. and things like that. Or you can just put Metamucil powder oh. on his food.
0: Metamuse are just writing this down. That's okay. right. And pumpkin and psyllium husks are good as well. Oh, go. okay. Pumpkin,
2: that's right. So I, I can be that. doing
0: something to, yep. to stop this from happening because it's awful mm, for us. Yes. It. It's uh, very painful as well. Yeah. So yes. Yeah.
2: But if they, if they have an abscess that's actually burst before you get them to the vet, then that's not good and they need surgery. And sometimes what we used to do was actually do surgery and take those glands or sacs out. But okay. Then that's a bit Cause, risky.
0: Because the first time around, it did burst before. Yeah. And no. So, and this time around, I saw it before it had burst, and it's since burst. I yeah, mean, it can he's happen now very been, quickly. But that's so. You think they need surgery when that happens?
2: Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. Right. Yeah. We try and avoid surgery if yeah. we
0: can. Okay. So. It's interesting. Okay, we're going to go to Margaret now. Uh, Margaret, welcome to Pet Chat. Now you've got a pooch that dribbles a lot.
3: That's it, yes. Um, it's, it's only a puppy. He's, he's nearly six months old. And as um, soon as we put him in the car, he doesn't even have to be moving. He starts drooling and it really soaks him, his legs and his feet, mm. um, and all over his face. Um, we've tried taking him on short trips. It's, it just does, doesn't seem to get any better. And we've tried everything, like lifting him up in the car so that he can see out the window with the window down no music on or music on and nothing seems to stop him from drooling
2: Yeah, so what actually happens is that there's a part of the brain um, called the oh goodness it's just wrong <laughs> from me Chemorecep- <laughs> no, chemoreceptor trigger zone and, the, and the vomiting centre these are two different parts and there's actually input from the ears from the canals in the ears that feed into that and so that's basically travel sickness. And so, you know, even if it doesn't get to the stage of producing vomiting, it can produce nausea. So there is um, all of the things that you've already tried are excellent, and I would advise, I think you've done a really good job there. But if it's still not working, the best thing is to get some medication called Serenia. Can that for me, please? C-E-R-E-N-I-A. Now, it is a prescription product, so you need to talk to your vet and probably run through everything and get a consult with them but you can actually get tablets and it will stop this problem straight away.
3: Well I did get some tablets because of the vomiting because he was vomiting before he started the drooling Um, so we give him one of them before we go out in the car Um, I'm not sure what brand they were so whether they were the same sort of tablet would it be the same tablet as car car sickness?
2: There is uh, what we used to do was we used medication called acepromazine which is a sedative, and that sometimes works reasonably well, um, but Serenia is much, much better.
3: I've just actually got the box out, and it, that's exactly what we have for car sickness.
2: Is what a- Acepromazine or Serenia? No, Serenia, and it's not working.
3: No, well, it it, it stops the car sickness, but the it's, it's drooling it won't stop.
2: Mm. Um, I'm not sure if Serenia is not working, then. You might need a dose adjustment, or talk with your vet about how to address that. It's. Um, it might also be time to get through the kind of development of the, you know, see the car and start drooling, that sort of thing, and maybe starting the sirenia earlier. There is a couple of things you can do, and sometimes some dogs just won't. They won't fix them. okay if if it stopped the vomiting that's
0: right now though it's time for our dog of the week and we've got bluey today he's a three-year-old stumpy tail cattle dog he looks beautiful but we do get a lot of cattle dogs through don't we and i think that's purely because you need to have a lot of energy to match these dogs yeah they're pretty full on they're they you know i mean they're working dogs aren't they so His,
2: his tongue is huge (laughs) <laughs> he looks He's very like, happy a
0: beautiful boy He's very happy Oh he does look very happy um, Or little Blue He's a beautiful highly intelligent Three year old stumpy tail cattle dog She sorry I'm sorry Bluey She's obsessed with running Jumping and playing fetch As, as you could probably imagine uh, She has loads of energy And uh, making her seem younger than her age Okay Bluey also loves going for walks And will bond with her primary caregiver Super quickly So she's got a lot of a love to give and she really is ready to find a forever home i should love to have a bigger doggy friend who is strong enough to play with her i guess that's probably a good way to get some energy out as well if she's got a companion Mm. that they Mm. can play with
2: or her herd of cattle (laughs) 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 if you don't have cattle have a dog.
0: Have a dog.
2: There you
3: go.
0: Uh, look, but she is a friendly girl and she is looking for a home. So if you'd like more information, then please head to our website, 2NURFM, and go to our Dog of the Week. While we're on that, uh, we need to look at our Dirty Dog winner. Oh, now, Sarah, who's it going to oh, be? Cheryl, Cheryl, look, we've had a few entries. Uh, and they're all fabulous. Don't forget you can send your entry to 2 com. But look, I think today we're going to have to give it uh, to this little lady, Lucy. She's six years old. She's clearly a, a Maltese. It doesn't say on there but she, lo- <laughs> she looks like a Maltese. Oh say? my golly it's gosh. It's a bit hard to see underneath all it's that a bit mud. a bit muddy. But what she does is she gets under the house uh, when it rains so her owners come home and it's just a nice surprise. She's back in the house looking like this and we'll put it up on our website, but she's absolutely filthy. She's brown. She is brown.
2: It's it's rained two days in the last month, and she's made the most of it. She's gotten <laughs> yeah. under that
0: house and had a field I've day. Been, in I've that. been
2: waiting weeks for this rain.
0: <laughs> Exactly. So, Good look, honour. congratulations, Lucy. Uh, you will get a fantastic pamper. So all the details on that are at 2NURFM.com. But, Cheryl, I think you guys will have a lot of fun giving yeah. her a free bath and dry spa. She certainly needs it. <laughs> she a lot does. of work.
2: That's what it's going to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we well, don't mind.
2: A lot of scrubbing.
0: I hear they're pretty <laughs> professional, so I reckon they'll be able to uh, get her looking great in no time. But please send in your entries. We do love to see the dogs, and do we do, do put them on the website. Do you
2: do the before and afters? We have yeah.
0: done. We, all we did do. That you, again. you did. Yeah. I remember yeah. seeing started. Yeah, we absolutely will. Cheryl will pop nice. through and after, and yeah. and we'll do that. Mm. That's a great idea because yeah. they have do a, makeover. a makeover. I know. Makeover. And who doesn't love a makeover? Let's be honest. Oh, oh I'm talking about. Why are you looking Why
2: are you looking at me?
0: Hint, hint. (laughs) Look, before we go today, we've been talking um, about our tick season. Anything more to add on that, David? That we've missed?
2: Well, we talked about the seasons, and I said it drops off in summer, autumn, but we still see tick problems all year round. And so, I think we need to emphasise to people: keep if you haven't already started preventatives, you're almost too late. Actually, this season, but it's never too late. Yeah, start. Start, start. Yes. And
0: you should be doing it all year round, though, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's what I do. Absolutely. Yes.
2: And see, this is how important it is, is every August we train our staff on the use of ventilator life support.
3: Okay. Because we
2: go, okay, this is when it's going to happen. Yes. Right? So I want to make sure that uh, whilst we've trained everybody, it'd be good if we didn't have to use them.
0: Can our dogs get used to the treatment or is that not the case?
2: No. No. There was some interesting conversations around cats because the product that we use to treat uh, ticks is uh, dog serum and giving it to cats if they've had, uh, had it, say, last season, can you give it to them again? And it's really up to the vet to de- determine whether or not it's safe to do so because there is a higher incidence of reactions if they've had it uh, before. So if the cat is only mildly affected and the tick's removed, and they've had, say, the tick serum the year before, then maybe they won't need it, but we we need to make that determination at the time. Uh, Certainly if they're a new cat and they haven't had uh, tick treatment before, then the treatment can be given, and it's relatively safe, um, certainly better than letting them proceed with the disease. Uh, And for dogs, we give it. I remember one year I had a dog, I had a clinic at Raymond Terrace, and I had a dog from... um, uh up the further up the highway
0: <laughs> very specific karua. Karua. <laughs> sorry to all my, all our karua
2: <laughs> listeners, but uh, this poor dog um, actually got five ticks in the season, like would get treated, go home two weeks later, come back, get oh, wow. treated. It was on preventatives now this was a long time ago, this was twenty years ago, and that wouldn't happen now because the preventatives are so much better. Yes. So I think we just um, need to remember to keep using them all, all year round.
0: Absolutely. Well, look, that's just about all we've got time for today uh, for, for Pet Chat. We do love your calls, so don't forget if you um, want to ask a question maybe you can't call because you're at work, you can always do that by heading to our website, 2 com. because we often do get questions come through that way. And we got uh, someone asking us whether we can podcast Yeah, we do podcast. And once Mm. again, you can uh, find all of them. Do you ever listen back to them, David?
2: I love listening to myself.
0: (laughs) Do you listen back and go, hang on, you know, how did I sound today? What could I have done better? I fast
2: forward through your part,
0: Sarah. Oh, cruel. (sighs) Well, probably fair. I don't have a lot to add,
2: do I? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's terrible. <laughs> Before no, we I go, don't. we've
0: got one last thing that we said we had to oh, mention. No. David, I'll leave that to you to mention.
2: So there's a cat and kitten show coming on. It's at uh, Greta Arts and Sports Community Hall up on the uh, New England Highway. It's this Saturday, September 1st, 10.30 to 4. Take your dad. That's a great Father's Day present. Go and look it <laughs>
0: I'm sure my dad would love that. See the
2: unusual cats, entries at (laughs) the door. Is there beer there? $2 for adults and children and $5 for a family. Well, it's actually run by the Brangston Wine Country Cat Club. I'm not sure if that means there's wine involved.